Just before Ashley comes to preach, we're going to have our Bible reading. So why don't you turn to Ecclesiastes 12, and Tom is going to read verse 1 to 8 for us. Over to you, Tom. Okay, so Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of travel come and your years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desires no longer, the desire no longer is stirred, when people go to their eternal home and the mountains go about the streets, Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bro uh, bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. James. Evening, everybody. Let me add my welcome again to this, our Children and Youth Sunday. And what a God we serve, right? Glorious, amazing, majestic. Let's, let's pray before we start. Let's pray. Father, you are glorious. You are unfathomable. You dwell in unapproachable light. The promise of the resurrection, because of your Son, is to those who believe. We believe. Lord, help our unbelief at times. Father, we pray that your word would go out with power, that your name would be glorified, and that we, your people, would be strengthened to the glory of King Jesus. Amen. In his, um, very loud, in his book, 12 Rules for Life, psychologist, professor, and author Jordan Peterson uh, he talked about a thought experiment that he did once. And he worked out uh, that uh, he saw his parents on average twice a year. So they were at this point in their 80s. And he worked out on, um, with typical lifespans, their health, they may get to 90. And so he calculated that seeing them twice a year, he had somewhere around uh, taking out any sickness or travel issues Sometime, uh, somewhere around 20 more visits with his parents. He said this fact was sobering. When you look at things in this light, Peterson said, each visit, each moment becomes utterly 
precious. You're careful about the words that you speak, the conversations that you actually give time to, the things that you decide to drop and forget because they're just not worth it. You take each moment deeply, hold on to it and treasure it. I was struck when I uh, read this in his book and got me thinking, imagine if we had a chart or a counter of some kind that listed each time we saw a friend, saw our family members, had a meal, saw a sunset, did something that we enjoy and we saw each time that that time had decreased. One mark was scored off. We had one less time to do it. I wonder how that might make us look at the things that we do. If we could see how many visits or experiences we had left, how might that make us live? The message of Ecclesiastes in the text uh, in front of us is here to help us see the fleeting nature of life and therefore the preciousness of it, the importance of it. Verse 8 that Tom emphasized quite nicely without me asking was meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. And at a first glance, you might assume that this book promotes the philosophy that What's the point? What's the point in life? It's all just air and noise. Let's just give up. Might as well die. Is that the philosophy of Ecclesiastes? No. No. Uh, if you were with us this morning, you got a bit of a Greek lesson on a Greek, uh, sorry, a Hebrew lesson on a Hebrew word. Well, we're going to do another one. That word meaningless in the original is the word hevel. And um, it's been translated a number of different ways. But let me try and give you a picture hope this works. I left my bubble machine at home. That. That. That'll do. You get the picture. The bubble comes, it pops. In fact, that's probably a better illustration. It can be translated vapor, mist. It's ephemeral. It's fleeting, like that bubble. That bubble didn't even make it. But if there was a bubble and I'd popped it, it was here and then gone. My wife Jodie came to me the other day and she said, another lady has stopped me in the supermarket with the kids and said, oh, enjoy these days. They go so quick. Before you know it, they're teenagers. Or maybe you've heard someone say to you, oh, enjoy these years, they go so fast. And you're like, oh, whatever. But actually the reason that they're saying that is because they're speaking from experience. They're speaking from Wisdom. I mean, some of you already, we just saw three lads. That's it, school, over, done. How quick was that? And it's because life is so fleeting, it's because it's a mist, it's because it's an, a bubble that is so quick that we hold on to it as precious. Like Jordan Peterson said. In the book of Ecclesiastes, the teacher has been relaying a life, his life, searching for its ultimate meaning and he's gone from workaholism to the pursuit of education to pleasures to projects to women to wealth and after all of it the conclusion the great call from this teacher is remember your creator and he gives us two reasons two that are found in this particular text so number one remember your creator for degeneration is inevitable remember your creator Degeneration is 
inevitable. He says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. That, that remember is kind of a catch-all term. Listen, obey, follow, hear. Uh, that call from Solomon here to remember, it reminds us of Deuteronomy 6. That great call to parents and children to listen to, to talk about, to obey the word of the Lord. It reminds us of that great message in Proverbs of the wise father speaking to his son. Calling him to listen to wisdom as wisdom calls out to call him to obey and to walk in it. Here is the path of life, Proverbs says. This term, remember, uh, reminds us of this morning, the message that we heard from Callum. To remember, to remember all that God has done so that we might love him and obey him. And we're called to remember, have a look at the text, in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. This week I read a headline in the Guardian newspaper. A study conducted by, check this out, an international collaboration of scientists from 14 countries, including experts from the University of Oxford. And here was the conclusion of their unprecedented study. The aging process is unstoppable. I kid you not. 17th of June, 2021. That was, the, that was the conclusion. It said here, more and more people are getting to live much longer now. However, the trajectory towards old age has not changed. <laughs> Thanks, Oxford. So the scientific study found out exactly what the wisdom of the Bible had known for millennia. Aging is inevitable. We are getting old. We will get old. Life is on an unstoppable journey to old age. Some of us, like myself, will get there a little sooner than some of you youngers. For some of us, it may be the next stop on the bus. But if the Lord spares us, it is the destination for all. And that's the poetic description that Solomon, the teacher, is wanting to give us in verses 2 to 5. He wants to paint this reality of old age in order to give wisdom to the readers. Now, we've got to remember it's poetry, and so we don't want to push it too hard. But look at verse 2. Verse 2 has been likened to something like our mental faculties, our memory, our thinking growing dim, weakening. Look at verse 3, when the, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop. Trembling hands are often associated with old age or trembling legs. Those once strong and mighty hands or legs, those strong men become trembling shells as age takes its toll. I remember watching a documentary um, a couple of weeks ago with Muhammad Ali and uh, a powerful man, a great man, one of the world's greatest, uh, it must be said. But one of the final pictures that was taken of him was with him and his daughter. I don't know if you've ever seen that. But he holds up that iconic fist that he did with a number of others. And it was frail, trembling, weak. Old age had taken its toll. Look at the second half of verse 3b. When the grinders cease because they are few, your teeth begin to fall out. And unlike in your youth, they don't grow back. Apparently a shark's teeth grow back each time they fall them. We're not, each time they lose them, we are not like that. Uh, we do live in an age, yeah, where we can wonderfully have access to dentistries like Eddie Ross. And false teeth are possible. 
praise the Lord. And yet, even with a set of smashing dentures, there are still some foods that are off limits. I was reading that you should avoid red meats because they're too chewy. That means no Miller and Carter steaks for those with dentures. Your toffee intake will also be reduced. Continuing in verse 3, and those looking through the windows grow dim. Those uh, Specsavers adverts somehow managed to make the loss of eyesight quite funny. But the reality is that losing your eyesight does bring huge problems, whether it's reading or driving or watching television or just enjoying God's creation. Especially if you find ultimate pleasure in what you see, what you watch, then the loss of your eyesight will be devastating. Age impacts our hands, it impacts our eyes, it impacts our ears. Look at verse 4. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of the grinding fades, when people rise up to the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. The terrible irony is that as you lose your hearing, as your hearing fades and you're regularly going, what, hey? Um, somehow the mere sound of birds chirping seems to wake you up at 3 a.m. And though they wake you up early in the morning, uh, actually, as the day goes on, you're less and less able to appreciate the bird sound. There's not only mobility changes, then loss with old age, uh, the mechanics of our created bodies begin to wear out, but there's actually, uh, with it, with increased age comes increased fear. Look at verse 5. When people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets. I remember when I was about 20, I think it was on my 21st birthday, I remember this very thought. I thought to myself, I'm invincible. That's actually what I thought. <laughs> How nonsensical. I was young and fast and energetic. I felt strong. Uh, since then, <laughs> I'm feeling increasingly weaker slower and a lot more fearful uh, and certainly less invincible. Young person, you might feel invincible now. You might be able to bench press 130 kilos. I was chatting to some lad earlier who can do that. Impressive. You're strong. Uh, you may well uh, be getting even stronger, but actually the reality is uh, there's a peak and after that peak, it is downhill. Uh, the confidence and the vigor of youthfulness, of strength, will disappear and give way to weakness and fear. And so the call is to remember your creator in the days of your youth. When the almond tree blossoms, it seems to represent white hair on the head. And get this, there will be a time when even your sexual desires will not be roused. Impossible, you think, young men. Not so. I was reading in 1 Kings the other morning the story of King David. It goes like this. He was really, really old. So old that he was so cold, even a ton of blankets couldn't keep him warm. And so they looked for a beautiful young woman. They found one. The text says that she was very beautiful. And she waited on David and she could lie close to him to warm him up. But actually, no matter how beautiful the woman was, King David did not, he could not have sexual relations with her. He says here, and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire is no longer stirred. Young people, degeneration is unavoidable and it's part of living in this crooked world, this world infected by sin. And so if you exert your life living for the pleasures that are aroused by senses, 
then not only will you reap disaster, and you will, the Bible is full of it and so is experience, but there's going to come a day in which your once heightened senses, hearing, sight, touch, taste, will fade and disappear. And so the call is, life is fleeting, life is like a bubble, life is precious, so don't waste it. Some applications, remember, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Many of you here have had the privilege and have the privilege of being raised in a Christian home. You have heard the gospel time and time again. Your parents seek to live lives that reflect the goodness of God's love and try to teach you his word. Remember him. Remember what you have been taught. Remember what you have heard. Young people, you can't remember what you haven't read, firstly. The the, the, the implication is to read your Bibles. Nor can you recall or remember what you haven't meditated upon and taken deeply into your own heart. Just look at chapter 11 11 of, um, sorry, verse 11 of chapter 12. You should still have your Bibles open. It says this, the words of the wise are like goads. And I remember thinking, what on earth is a goad? So I googled it. It's what we do with all questions that we don't know the answer to. And it turns out that it's a really, really long, really, really pointy stick that you would poke cattle with in the backside and in the side in order to get them to go in the direction that you want them to go in. Okay? Reminds me of Psalm 119.11. How can a young person keep his way pure? By hiding your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let the word of God hidden in your heart be like a goad. Let it prod you. Let it poke you as it rises, as, it, as you remember it, as you recall it. Let it move you in the direction that you could go so that you must walk in the path of wisdom. Recall the words of life that have been spoken to you. Obey them. Trust them. Remember. Second application, reject. This book warns us that if you make pleasure your goal there will come a day that you will no longer be able to enjoy that pleasure, whether it's food, fast cars, fornication, whatever your taste, whatever your desire, there will come a day when the desire will disappear. You will not be able to enjoy it. The debilitation of old age will rob us. And so, okay, spend time crafting that body of yours, but do it in the knowledge that one day your hands will shake. Go for that PhD, get that good job, educate yourself, but do so in the knowledge that our memory will fail and will fade. King Solomon's probably most known for his 700 wives and 300 concubines. And Solomon's women, as beautiful as they were, led him not just to forsake the living God, but a whole host of things, sanctioning the murder of children, a kingdom lost, and a house divided because he was enslaved by his passions and pleasures and in here his wisdom tells us to remember the creator reject the lie that life is all about pleasure that youth is all about pleasure the culture tells us that it's all about holidays it's all about drinking bucket list women sex pleasure solomon tried them all alcohol houses servants money music And actually, so have many in our culture. Let me give you a list of names. Amy Winehouse, Jimi Hendrix, Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Elvis Presley, Janis Joplin. What have these names got in common? Yes, they were famous, 
but they all died young for chasing pleasure. Wisdom calls you to use your youth and your strength for God. Life is fleeting. It's therefore precious. Don't waste it. Reject the lie. Don't waste it on the empty promises of the satisfaction of sin. It's a lie. Whilst you're young, before the days of trouble come, the word says, for they will remember your creator, fear him, love him, serve him. The wise teacher calls us to remember our creator because youth is fleeting, but also for this other vital reason, and this point's a bit shorter. Number two, remember your creator because death is unavoidable. Remember your creator for death is unavoidable. Look with me at verse six. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well. This is a, it's a poetic image of a watering well. The cord that wraps around the pulley system, which is attached to this golden bowl or bucket, uh, and the pitcher that you carry, the life-giving water of life, back to the home. This once vibrant youth is likened, uh, this once vibrant youth, full of water, full of life, is likened to a broken well, a broken cistern, spent, the cord worn and aged and now severed, the source of life now completely gone. And where there was once flowing life and health and vigor, there's now dust. Look at verse 7. And the dust returns to the ground from where it came, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. This is the destiny for all of us. No escapes, no avoidances. All along, the teacher has been surveying life, whether it's wisdom, wealth, women, and each one is brought to a swift end because of that great enemy, death. Our culture pumps something like 110 billion pounds into the beauty industry. <laughs> Eye staggering. And that's actually not including the computational power of things like apps and programs that make us look younger, slimmer, fitter, buffer, stronger, darker, lighter, less blemished, all the rest of it. Our obsession with looking younger is in part to ward off the knowledge of the reality that death is coming. But the wisdom of Ecclesiastes, the wisdom of the Bible says, no, face death. Look at death in the face whilst you're young and therefore gain a heart of wisdom. You see, as we look at death in the face, you learn to live rightly because you know that this is the end of all humanity. That one day you will face your creator. I will face my creator. And so we're called to count our days Recognize that life is like that bubble. Doesn't even compare. It's fleeting in the face of eternity. And therefore, it's precious. It's not to be wasted. And so see the bubble of your life rightly before the eternal perspective of God. Fear him. Serve him. Let death lead you into a right sense of your life and the truth of who God is. That Guardian article that I mentioned earlier. Uh, it says this, immortality and everlasting youth are the stuff of myths, according to new research which may finally end the eternal debate about whether we can live forever. 250 investors, dozens of companies, researchers, startups are involved in this project. 
Billions of pounds of investment are looking for the key, the elixir to reversing the age of aging process and preventing death. Why? Well, can you imagine what a product that would be? Can you imagine how much they could market that for? I mean, the iPhone's about a thousand pounds. Health insurance is eye-staggeringly expensive. Can you imagine if they said, we can now offer you eternal life, what they would charge for that? But the article ends like this. So far, medical advances have been unable to beat the biological constraints of death. So far. The article speaks as if it's going to achieve that, but they won't. Because actually, there's only one who can do anything about death. And he's already obtained what all these investors never could. And that's our third point. Number three, remember your creator for deliverance is available. You see, the debate about whether we can live forever, forever was settled on Golgotha 2,000 years ago. Death came because of the curse of sin. And yet our creator, Jesus Christ, reversed that curse by his own death on the cross. The author of life died so that we might gain life. The judge was judged for sin in our place. The living water himself thirsted. The one who created men from dust himself lied in the dust for us, creatures of dust. And then he rose again. And he now offers everlasting life. And unlike those investors, if they do ever crack the re reversal of aging, eternal life costs Jesus everything, but it comes to us for free. Death is an intruder. It's a reality in this world. It's part of the curse. It's an intruder. It's an enemy. And yet... It can be used to teach us wisdom. This book and the Bible calls us today, now, young person, old person, middle-aged person, to remember him. It says here, remember before the silver cord is broken. We don't know when that is. We don't know when our last breath is. Mine could be right now. What a way to go. <laughs> Yours might be right now. The call is to remember your creator. Look to Jesus Christ. Look to the one who in his death defeated death and you will find everlasting life. Secondly, death should give us perspective and I'm about to close soon just, just to let you know. Death should give us perspective. It can be a way to teach us how to truly live. There's another repeated frame through, uh, refrain throughout the book of Ecclesiastes and it says this, there's nothing better than for a person to do, than to eat, than to enjoy wine, than to work hard all the days that God has given. You see, Ecclesiastes and Christianity, they're not against good things. They're not against gifts. This is God's world. He's the good giver of gifts. And as his children, we should enjoy them. Now, the warning from Ecclesiastes is to not make ultimate things out of these gifts. Okay? If we try to make money our God, not only will it rob us from anxiety as we live, but actually we'll die and we'll probably end up giving it to a fool, Ecclesiastes said, and they'll just spend it anyway. If we make education our God, we'll only stress ourselves out and by the end of it realize that we've never managed to learn 1% of all there is to learn. 
No, we enjoy God's good gifts in this world. The reality of death should help us to live as God's creatures in this world and to enjoy the gifts that he's given us. Ecclesiastes is a book that wants to inject us with realism. It wants to give us a tonic, words of wisdom that are to point us to everlasting life. It calls us to acknowledge our morality, to get to grips with our transience, and to understand our frailty. We're a vapor, we're a mist. Here today, gone tomorrow. And so life is precious. Therefore, fear your creator. Remember him, know him, and live in joy with all that he's given us. For as Christians, death is not the end. It is the usher to everlasting life. Let's pray. The band can come up. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the glorious truth contained in these scriptures. Thank you that they point us to everlasting life. Thank you that they record the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ in his living, in his coming, in his living and speaking and dying, in his rising again, in his, in his ascension, and in his promise to return. Thank you for the wonder of wisdom literature that gives us a tonic to see life in all of its frailty, to recognize the coming of old age and the reality of death, the quickness of it, and therefore to trust you, to fear you, to remember you. Lord, help us to do that. In each of our situations, whether young, whether old, Lord, help us to remember you. Remember all we have learned, all we have been taught. And may the knowledge of life under the sun, life in a sinful world that's broken, may the knowledge of it lead us ultimately to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. May we see in his death, our death, but also in his rising, our everlasting life. And we ask that it would all be to the praise of King Jesus. Amen. Oh,